Welcome to Make and Decorate with Stephanie, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, knit, and decorate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Make and Decorate with Stephanie podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I am glad you're here. We have a lot to chat about today. Uh, So let's get into it. First, let me tell you what the topic is. The main topic for today is sewing room design and organization. Organizing has been a very hot topic the last couple of months because At the beginning of the year, everything is new and refresh and start over and clear everything out. So um, with organizing, design overlaps into it. And uh, there's a lot of YouTube videos out there on organizing your sewing room, uh, blogs and everything. But I want to add in designing your sewing room and decorating it because you might want to change things around or maybe you are looking at a a new room and need to kind of plan out what you're going to be able to fit in there, how you're going to be able to use it for your sewing or your craft room. And that begins with a design concept and, um, you know, doing things in order so that you don't stress yourself out and make costly mistakes. So that will be with the main topic today. For right now, let's go ahead and get into some chit chat. I have had some major (laughs) computer problems the last couple of months. And it is because my laptop is... um, pretty old. And, you know, it's not that old, but in, in uh, computer and Apple years, it's ancient. So my laptop from 2017 has um, really told me that it's, <laughs> it's going to, it's done. It's, it's going to be completely dead soon. So I better do something. Uh, and last week I ordered a new Mac mini computer I've never had one of those before, but I did, of course, a lot of research, and they are um, more powerful than the laptops are uh, and can have, um, well, that's not true. You can upgrade a laptop to have a terabyte of disk space, but it costs a lot more. Anyway, it, it is supposed to be stronger, faster, better. Um, And the Mac mini is a cute little box and I already have an external monitor. So it's just easy to just plug it right into everything. And I am so looking forward to getting that. I had to wait a couple of weeks. I don't pick it up until next week uh, because I forgot that anytime you choose something outside of the um, regular menu of how the computer comes, then it turns into a custom order and it takes a little longer. I needed more memory and more disk space. 
you guys understand technology problems and <laughs> if your phone or your computer goes down, it just affects your life um, uh, entirely. So anyway, enough of that. Hopefully by the next episode, all will be back to normal and um, I won't have issues with the computer. This episode airs on the first day of QuiltCon, and that is going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, and a lot of you are going to be there. And I don't have to tell you to have fun because I know that's a given, and I can feel the excitement from everyone on Instagram, uh, and this is a time where people can meet up with each other, Instagram friends and um, friends they haven't seen in a while. So I wish you guys the best of fun and enjoy it. Um, I'm going to be missing out, but I do want to go one year soon. I just, you know, I don't know why they don't come to the Midwest. Uh, Chicago was a big convention uh, location, but I guess because they have it in February, they probably, you know, don't want to chance um, travel issues, delays, cancellation if the weather is bad. Um, so, but I mean, weather can happen anywhere, anywhere. Um, but anyway, I digress. So everyone at QuillCon, have fun and enjoy the classes and the trade show. I looked at the vendors and it looks really good. Uh, so try out those machines and, and um, oh my gosh, it just looks like so much fun. All right. Let's talk about sewing and then quilting and then knitting. So I can, uh, I can say now that I am back it's, I'm almost 100% since the vertical BS began in November. And I can spend a lot more time in my sewing room sewing for longer periods of time like I used to before all of this happened. Uh, and I was able to get those dog pillows done, delivered, um, sign sealed delivered. And they. I was really happy with the way they turned out. Um, I mean, these were like deluxe pillows with uh, invisible zippers and decorative cording, um, down fillers, and a contrast back, uh, fussy cutting the front, and all of that. So, oh, what a relief. That was just a weight on my shoulders. And I was a bit worried because uh, the last couple of months I've been feeling so overwhelmed and down because um, not only did I not feel well, but <laughs> I didn't even feel like doing anything. And it was a little worrisome because I'm like, if I don't feel like sewing or quilting, what's going to happen? What, you know, I don't know. I just had these moments where I thought, my identity is completely on the rocks here and I don't know <laughs> I don't know what's happening. It's hard to describe, but anyway. So now I you know in feeling better, it brought back 
my enthusiasm for um, sewing and creating and, and all of that. And if I would have known that would happen, maybe I wouldn't have worried so much. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, what's that saying? Um, don't borrow tomorrow's worries or, or, or you know what I mean. Now that the dog pillows are done and off my table, and by the way, I got some very good positive feedback from the recipients of those pillows. Oh, it just made me feel so good. I really needed that. And now I've pulled out the king size Irish chain quilt that I had been working on before. And that is what is on the work table now. Oh, my studio is a giant mess. Uh, so maybe that kind of sort of prompted this topic as well. Um, but uh, let me just uh, tell you a little bit of what I've been um, working on as far as thinking about changes to my sewing room. Uh, I definitely think I am going to change the pink color. I've been wanting to do that for a few years now. Right now it's uh, Alexandria Beige from Benjamin Moore. And um, although that's a really beautiful uh, neutral uh, color, I want to lighten it up. And uh, it's been on those walls for at least 10 years. So it's time for a change. And I picked out a really beautiful blush color uh, from Farrell and Ball. Um, pink ground and I really love it I have the paint um, colors taped up onto the wall and then I also chose an accent color for my cabinetry and that one I want to do in Farrell and Ball's arsenic and it's similar to I think um, if I remember right the Crayola color sea green it's a blue green um, color and it's a sort of a medium toned uh, and it's beautiful. It is really, really pretty. Um, it's, it's a little bold for some people, but uh, it's, it's, it just, um, it's a happy color and it, it, it complements the blush color nicely. Cause as far as I'm concerned, the blush color is sort of its own uh, neutral so I can um, accent it with a pop of strong color like the arsenic. The other thing that I am thinking about is doing the window trim in this gorgeous, dark, deep midnight blue. Uh, the dark color, I think, would be nice on the window, even though I don't have a beautiful scenery of mountains or redwood trees or anything like that. I still have a view of the sky. And when uh, window trims are painted in a darker color, then it tends to recede and brings the outside in much more easily and beautifully. That's what I am thinking about. So we'll see. Definitely we'll see. But it's nice to have the paint colors taped up and looking at them in the different times of the day because the colors do change throughout the different uh, periods of light 
and when it's dark. So it's good to do that if you are wanting to choose a new paint color. Okay, so knitting. Uh, there are only two things that I am working on and that will be it um, for a while, I think, uh, because spring and summer are coming and I tend to um, uh, not knit as often as I do in the fall and the winter. I am still working on this Cardi Zen uh, knitting pattern. It's a cardigan for me. And uh, the pattern is fairly straightforward and simple. Um, the body of the sweater is done in a simple garter stitch. Uh, the, the, the new thing for me is the part where you make the hole armholes uh, plate in where they're at. So um, it just took a little bit and the pattern designer has uh, little videos to help you through those. So that I think was a huge plus. Um, and then I didn't have to struggle with it because to just read it on the pattern, um, I don't think I really would have figured it out <laughs> without a video. I'm almost, I'm almost done with it, but here we are at the 23rd and I mean, it's less than a week for the deadline for this hashtag BHM pattern designers. And I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have it done, but I probably will have it done within the next two weeks and I will continue until that's finished and post it. Uh, it looks really pretty. So I hope that it uh, turns out and, um, and I can wear it. <laughs> that's the goal. And of course, the other one I already talked about is the uh, Pearl Soho Knit Along that started on January 20th. I, ha I got a good start on that until I decided to put it aside and do this uh, cardigan for the challenge. I have a, a block and a half knitted. And like I said, the design is like a quilt. So they're half square triangles knitted and they're big. So the squares end up being at least 12, maybe 14 inches square. Um, and there's a new knitting technique to me where the blocks are knitted, um, you know, one by one, but they are connected. So in columns, so the first block is knitted and then you start the second block by picking up some stitches from the first block. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting and it looks really, um, very smooth transition and nice. So that one is going to take a while because it's on a smaller size needle and yarn size. It's DK light. Uh, but I have such beautiful yarns for that one and it'll just, that one, there's no deadline. So it'll be what it is. And that's, uh, that's it for the knitting for right now. Quilting. I decided to sign up for the Heidi Parks quilt along that begins in March, which is <laughs> next week. Uh, and it is the vignettes quilt pattern by Heidi Parks. And I just could not resist joining this. I am on her newsletter list. And when I read that she's doing this, 
I dived in and saw, I wanted to see what this was all about. Uh, and I, I, I still wasn't sure if I was going to take it on. But then when I saw that it's a small size quilt, um, maybe like 36 inch square, uh, then I was just like, okay, I am so in. I'm doing this. And she discounted her, the um, the uh, workshop that she has online, which includes the pattern. Uh, and I will put a link to her website, which will have all of that information. Um, and it's for me, it's going to be an art quilt. I'm really looking forward to this. I've really wanted to try Heidi's style of organic piecing and hand quilting. And here is my opportunity. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, and also, I I haven't done much quilting in the past year. So I, I wanted to, um, that was another reason why I wanted to do this. I'll let you know how it goes and give you some updates. And also, speaking of quilt alongs, Allison Glass is doing her trinket um, pattern. And this was a quilt along in 2019, which I did and did not finish the quilt yet. It is all, I have the fabrics for it and I've done, um, I don't know. I've done a lot of it, but not, um, it's, it's not finished. I, I want to finish it. It's, it's definitely on my whip list. Um, it, the pattern is beautiful and she's doing this again, this, uh, quilt along. So if you didn't do it the first time, this might be something that you might be interested in. And if you like her fabrics, they are just so vibrant and they look really pretty. This pattern has a lot of background color um, or background fabric. So if um, you do that in a neutral, and mine is uh, done in a charcoal gray, and then her colorful fabrics just pop off of that gray background, uh, the charcoal background. Uh, and it could probably do the same thing if there was more of a white background. Um, even like a black and white in that pattern would look stunning. So that quilt along, I think, is starting soon. Before I end chit-chat, I do have a couple of shows I want to tell you about that I've been watching. The first one is a new show on ABC, or you can watch it on Hulu, and it is called Will Trent. It is, uh, you know, one of those crime detective shows, although this one, the main character is an agent, uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, who works closely with the local uh, police and detective departments. And uh, the he, um, <laughs> this is the best part of the show, he adopts uh, a, a dog in the first episode. It's a little chihuahua named Betty so cute. <laughs> and the dog is uh, one of my favorite characters, of course, because I'm a huge dog lover. And I think uh, the dog character too brings some brevity to to the show and also makes it like not your everyday typical, you know, after a while, there's so many detective shows out there that they um, sometimes almost seem like repetitive. This brings a, a new life to it and uh, it's a good show so far 
the the other uh, ones are on Netflix, and I have been so into K dramas lately, and those are Korean TV shows. Netflix has so many of these shows; it's like endless, and um, I love them. Reading the subtitles doesn't bother me at all. In fact, I get so engrossed into these shows that I don't even think I even notice that, um, you know, I'm reading versus just watching and understanding them. Um, And I think the language is really um, pretty. The first one my husband did watch with me. He doesn't always like reading subtitles. So for him to watch this um, 16 episode series was, uh, was something. And it is called Beyond Evil. This show is not for everyone. Uh, it is a detective crime thriller type of a series. And it is dark, uh, sort of, I guess maybe it's in that noir, uh, category, the story is gripping, and uh, the main character is a detective in a small town in Korea outside of Seoul. He uh, lost his sister. She was killed 20 years prior when they were teenagers. He has been looking for her killer for the past 20 years. That is the whole crux of the story, which weaves into a bunch of other characters and their stories and you don't know what is going to happen next. It's I think why it is so gripping and every character is great. It's even just supporting characters. They have a story and the actors are so good. You know, there's a few times where I, really like <laughs> tear up and cry because the scene is just so touching and this this character just um all these years searching for his sister's killer that actor is just amazing uh and um yeah it's and of course you know some of the there are the bad guys and you know he's the good guy trying to find but then you know he kind of gets a little uh you know almost crossing the line so i don't know it's just a very good show if you are into that kind of of show the other one i just watched and i just finished it it's called inspector koo k o o and this one is more lighthearted. However, it it is about a serial killer, which is, um, you know, it doesn't sound right, right? And, uh, but uh, the serial killer is a young college age girl. And uh, when I read up on it, this show is inspired by the show Killing Eve. And if you ever watched that show, Eve is also a serial killer (laughs) and she's young and uh, just very humorous and lighthearted and just toys with people and is gregarious and giggly. So that's how this character is as well. You would never guess that she is a serial killer and she only kills the bad guys. Uh, Not that that makes it right at all, but 
when you're watching a show and it's an escape, um, uh, I don't know. It's just fun. I <laughs> maybe there's something wrong with me, but I do love. I love it. I loved this show. The her nemesis is this ex cop, and she is after this serial killer, and they have so many similarities, and they know each other because they've run into each other and the detective is trying to catch her, but this girl is very clever, very smart. Uh, and again, all of the characters in the show are just, um, they're great. It's such a good story. It's, uh, its uh, yeah, there's nothing more I can say because I don't want to give the whole thing away. Inspector Koo, much more lighthearted. There's humor and they don't show anything graphic. I think that's the other good thing about it is that... Um, you don't see graphic violence and so forth. And it's more about the mind games and um, out foxing the other person, which is very interesting. Okay. And if you are not into crime dramas or detective shows or K-dramas at all, there is another show on Amazon Prime. Clarkson's Farm. I did talk about this show when it first uh, came on because now this is the second season. So it's been about a year or so, year and a half since the first season has been on. Jeremy Clarkson is um, a British celebrity. He has been on this uh, well, he had been on this car show, Top Gear, for I don't know, like 30 seasons. And uh, so now he has uh, purchased this farm a few years back. And during the pandemic is when they came up with this show. And it's just kind of like a reality show about him and this farm and all of his grandiose ideas and how he doesn't know how to do all of this stuff. And one of the breakout characters that people love from the show is... Um, a younger guy named Caleb, and he does all of the farm work, and he knows farming. That's what he does, and he takes care of all this stuff for Jeremy. But at the same time, they just are kind of like this duo, comedic duo, and Caleb is um, – uh, he makes fun of Jeremy a lot, and there's that generation gap, so there's fun with that. Uh, and the um, you also get like really nice views of this English countryside. That's a good show too, and it's on Amazon Prime right now. All right, so that's it for chit chat. Let's get into the main segment, which is all about sewing room design and organization. I'm going to start with design first. And if you are thinking of just even updating your sewing room, changing around the layout, or just designing it from scratch, then this is for you. If not, you can certainly fast forward to the organizing part. But start with design, which I always encourage people to make a list of their priorities in the order of needs and wants and list out what your primary needs are. And for a sewing room, I would think that furniture for your sewing, serging and or quilting and crafting are priority. That's the priority for the space. 
separate cutting table at counter height is also uh, something that you probably want to fit into your sewing room. Uh, pressing and ironing station. And another uh, primary need is proper lighting. By proper lighting, I mean task lighting. Uh, so this, I know all of this can be phased in. You do not have to do everything all at once, but you do want to create a plan, an overall design plan. And if you do it a little bit at a time, that's great. And it takes off all of the stress and worry of, you know, you did this, but you didn't think about that coming in the future. This will alleviate all of that. So get your primary needs listed out and then your secondary needs, which would be things like storage for your notions and fabrics and waste bins and, you know, the stuff like that, that is still sort of, it's a necessary need. You need somewhere to put your thread, cut threads and your little scraps of fabrics um, that need to go into the waste bins and think about how you would like to have things organized, sort of your ideal system. It's just thinking about it right now. This is just design concept stages. So we're not totally getting into organizing yet. Uh, list of furniture, lists like storage furniture you would like to put in there, like maybe um, a, a bookcase. And using vertical height is great for a sewing room. A tall vertical bookcase uh, will store a lot of stuff. And then you want to list things that you want. Do you want a TV in there or a computer? Do you want dual use for this space for crafting? Um, do you need to put a Cricut machine or do you need to store yarns in there, knitting needles, die cutter, that sort of thing? So anything that you want that's not you know, not necessarily like you need to have, but you really would want it. And then the last thing you want to list are just the things that make it pretty, interior decor, the color scheme, and this will help you decide on furniture and storage container colors. If you're going to do a new wall color, or maybe you want a wallpaper in there, um, think about those things, window treatments, uh, accessories, functional. Sometimes you can make functional things decorative also as an accessory. Uh, for instance, you could have a um, large mason jar that's full of uh, ribbons or threads or something. And then all of that color inside of the jar becomes decorative and, and it's also a functional storage as well. And then after you have all of this stuff listed out, then it's time to measure the room and furniture pieces. If you're going to keep furniture pieces in the room, then you want to measure those and then draw a floor plan. This is so that you make sure that everything will fit with enough space around it for circulation. You want to be able to get to your sewing machine, around your cutting table, um, pressing station, all of that. And if you just do a simple floor plan on graph paper that you can get from anywhere, this will help determine the flow and the circulation throughout the space. The grid paper is usually a quarter inch 
That's the, the little grids. They're quarter inch by quarter inch squares. And the, the scale that you will draw this in is quarter inch scale, meaning a quarter inch equals one foot. Let's say your room is uh, 12 feet by 15 feet. 12 of those squares will equal 12 feet. 15 of those squares will equal 15 feet. You don't have to get crazy accurate with all of the little nooks and bump outs and everything. Uh, only if there is a bump out where, it, um, you know, it's more than like a couple of inches. If it's like a foot, um, then that's um, usable floor space. So you'll want to include that in there. But just make it as simple as you can. And this is purely for furniture placement and determining your flow and circulation throughout the space. If you do not want to do that, you can physically measure in the room where each piece of furniture will go. You can tape out furniture blocks with painter's tape and you will visually be able to see and then you can walk around the tape and you can measure how much space is between each piece of furniture and if you have enough space to move around it. Uh, another way to do that is to cut out craft paper blocks of the furniture pieces. This is more flexible because you can then easily move those uh, paper blocks around. And those paper blocks represent the furniture pieces that are going into the room. Either, either method works. So whatever works for you, make sure that you figure out a space plan for the room. And if you are bringing in new pieces, furniture, Aero Sewing is a well-known uh, sewing furniture company and they carry kangaroo uh, line of products. They're really a, a good company. They offer a lot of good uh, sewing cabinet furniture solutions and other uh, sewing furniture and storage pieces. One of the ones I want to point out, and I don't get anything for this, um, I'm just giving Krista a shout out, but it's Krista Quilts, Krista Watson. She has a sewing cabinet named after her because I'm sure she had some design input with this sewing cabinet, and it's especially for quilters. I really like it, and it does close up into a smaller space when you're it's not in use. There's a lot of table space to the left of the sewing machine, which is great for a quilt to sit on, and there's also a little swing-out tabletop to the left of the sewing space. So it's almost like um, creating this uh, L shape so that the quilt doesn't fall off the table and um, pull the weight against your sewing needle. That's really great. The other thing too is that this is priced really well. And the other thing that you probably would want to do is to add those crystal blocks. They're just little uh, mini walls <laughs> that go um, on. You could do two of them and create like a little corner bank. And that way the quilt will bump up to it and not fall off the table. And the, then again, it won't pull again. The weight won't pull against the needle. Uh, so it's very cleverly designed. Great price point. 
um, and it's worth taking a look at. Ikea is another place where uh, you can buy furniture for uh, a sewing table, for small spaces. There's this gate leg table that's uh, really a nice idea for a small sewing space that um, the leg will swing out and it will double the, uh, the table width. And it's called the Norden gate leg table. That's something that could definitely work. Um, there's a, a, you know, there's pieces there for cutting table, ironing stations. Uh, you could get really creative. One of the things that is very popular is the uh, Rascog utility cart. And for a while there, that uh, mint color um, or aqua, one of those like bluish green colors, uh, was very popular with this utility cart. In fact, I think they still have that color available along with other colors. And it's on casters and there's three tiers. That is functional piece that is mobile. And now they offer a wood top that can be put on the top of it and you can convert it to a small ironing station. How how good would that be? There's also a smaller version of this utility cart called the Rashult. And it's smaller in height and and size, and it's 25 inches tall. So that means it can roll underneath a table. So standard tabletop height is 29 to 30 inches tall. And a 25 inch, because the bigger utility cart is too tall and it will not roll underneath a, a standard dining table height. So I think that other smaller utility cart is a great addition to their product line and to your sewing room. They've got really good looking wire baskets, a pegboard. I've seen some really nice sewing photos of the sewing spaces where people have put that IKEA pegboard and all the different hooks. Uh, where they've got their scissors and uh, rotary blades on there. Maybe they'll put their threads up there. So IKEA is actually a very good resource for sewing room furniture uh, and storage pieces. Another thing you can do is just use what you have. This is what I have done to this point. I do want to get a uh, sewing specific to sewing machine cabinet so that the bed um, can lower and be even with the table uh, for quilting. It, it would just be so much easier on my shoulders to to have that. But anyway, you can use a dining table and you can also convert a dining table like I have. I have a dining table converted to a work table or cutting table. I have risers, bed risers underneath the feet, and it has lifted it to counter height, which is much easier on your back than if you were to rotary cut on a 30 inch high dining table where you're hunched over. It's really bad ergonomic um, for your for your back. And uh, you can you can use a dining table, you can use um, uh, you know, people convert dressers and other types of furniture. And the hardest thing I think to do is to visualize a piece being used in an unconventional way. Try to get some ideas 
from, you know, wherever, Pinterest, Instagram, you can use a lot of what you have. In fact, my sewing machine is on my drafting table from design school of 20 years ago, over 20, 22 years ago. And back then, I mean, that table, this drafting table is solid. It has steel legs and it's a 36 by 48 inch uh, size of the table. Uh, and it's perfect. The only thing I wish is that we could saw out the shape of the sewing machine and put a lift down there where it can lower and raise whenever I need to quilt so the sewing machine can be even with the table surface. So that's how I re, um, reused a piece of furniture that I already had, a drafting table. Uh, and, um, oh, Etta Gers. Etagères and china cabinets can make great fabric storage pieces if you have the room for them. And they also add to the interior decor aesthetic to the room because uh, especially if they have glass doors, your fabrics neatly stacked up in there just gives um, a pop of color to the room and... Um, just a level of prettiness that makes you happy when you look at it. So after you've done this, it's time to execute your design plans. And also keep this in mind, you probably will want to tweak your plans as you go along and it's okay. So whatever you plan does not have to be set in stone. You can revise it and um, then uh, when the furniture is in the room 3D, you may even want to tweak the placement of it because now it just, it looks very, it looks and feels very different when it's in its 3D state versus just being drawn with the 2D view on paper. So keep that in mind. Also, you can set up phases for your plans. It does not have to be done all at once. And take before photos and progress photos. And this is especially helpful if you are going to do your project in phases. And a designer trick for doing phases is to try to get your room to look finished in every phase until you've layered in the entire plan to a completed finished project. And what I mean by this is if your first phase is only your sewing machine uh, and a cutting table, do some accessories in your first phase so that it will look like a, a completed space. Like it could look like it's finished, but really it's not. Um, if you just have the bare bones of like a table and, and another table and that's it, uh, then it kind of can look bare. And then maybe, you know, it just, it, it's, you will be feeling it. So incorporate some of those wants and decorating items from your list as well as your priorities. And then every phase you will add in each of those uh, categories into a phase and it will become more and more and more uh, of a finished look. But it's it, it will always look nice and finished from your first phase. Hope that makes sense. 
Okay, we are up to organizing your sewing room. A professional organizer trick is to not buy storage bins or baskets until you have determined what the storage will be used for and the size of storage that you need. You probably know what type of organization works best for you, but I have uh, made it into three categories. So the first one is minimal. Minimal organization style is where everything has its place behind doors and in drawers and surfaces are clear. There's nothing out. Another type of organizing style, I am calling this, this is what I have made up myself. I call it a stager where you like to display your tools and your notions and your fabrics in the open and you like to decorate with it. That's what I like to do. I'm a stager. (laughs) And then the third one is a hybrid of both of these. So you're a little bit minimal where you do like things behind doors, but you also don't want it to be so sterile uh, that you will put um, a a little bit on display uh, or decorative accessories. Uh, So those are the three organizing styles that I have come up with. And again, make a list of what storage you currently have and if you will continue to use that or if you want to change it. List the fabrics, tools, notions, rulers, etc. that you're going to use often. List the fabrics and same categories, fabrics, tools, notions, etc. that will not be used as often. Then determine the flow of use and that will be where you will want to place storage at or nearby. For instance, your ironing station. You're going to want your iron, ironing spray, clapper, if you have a tailor's clapper, um, a pressing ham, uh, pressing cloth. Those are the items that you want to store and organize near or in your ironing station. Around your sewing machine, you want to have your seam ripper, thread snips, sewing machine feet and bobbins, a marking pen, threads that you use often. Those are the items that you will want to store or place in or near your sewing machine so that it's not like you're getting up and walking all the way across the room um, to get that. It's just not a good flow. So think about how you're using this room and where your different stations are at, your ironing station, your sewing machine, your cutting table will have your cutting mat. And that's maybe where you will want your rotary cutters and scissors to be stored very near or on it in some way, maybe in a basket or a closed box. Uh, These are all things to think about and to organize by where you're going to be using it. After you determine all of this, now you can confidently purchase storage containers, roller carts. Uh, Also, if you're a stager, you'll want to buy storage or several of the same style and color. uh, So it looks decoratively and aesthetically nice and pretty. Uh, 
And also even not so pretty clear plastic bins can look really sharp when they're displayed in multiples. And um, I know a lot of the Sterilite bins are clear, but then they'll have these colored handles that are pretty. Uh, So get all of those in the color that you like or in a couple of coordinating colors. Another really important thing is to label, label it. Invest in in whatever, like a P-Touch labeler for fast and professional looking labels. Because if your storage boxes are labeled, you're going to be able to find all your stuff. Uh, Also, I store my sewing machine parts, like manuals, um, uh, the um, just the stuff that came with the sewing machine, um, feet, uh, uh, whatever it may be in a shoe size box container labeled with the machine that it goes to. And I store them close to the machine. Or um, if you can't do that in a closet with easy access and labeled. Uh, I can't stress enough how much labeling helps. And especially if you have, (laughs) like me, multiple machines, it's really important to label the parts that go with the specific machine and to keep them together. Uh, All right. And then resources for organizing containers and baskets. Target is a great place for those Sterilite plastic storage bins. But be aware that the colors of those handles and lids, they come and go. I learned this the hard way. So you want to get enough of the color that you like before it is gone. So don't just get one or one of each size. You want to get three um, at least. And decorative accessories are really um, a good um, thing to find at Target. Ikea, I already talked about. That's a great place also for uh, organizing containers and storage. Michaels and Joann's has a good selection of baskets and craft specific storage. Uh, And of course, they are, you know, there's times of the year where they have really great sales. Beginning of the year is a great time to buy storage from Michaels and Joann's. Um, But periodically throughout the year, they will have really good sales on that too. And finally, the unique storage. You can look at thrift and antique shops and get like these old, you know, some people will buy apothecary pieces and store sewing notions in those Um, other crates, wooden crates. And uh, um, it's just your imagination is the limit to this type of unique storage. And I think it looks really unique and um, beautiful if you do that. And also, you don't have to do everything with like a, a an antique sort of piece. You can um, sprinkle that in with your, you know, contemporary storage that you bought at Michael's or Joann's. I think it's really nice, just like in regular um, home design, mixing one antique piece in a room with um, more contemporary furniture, um, just adds to the character and the depth of the design of the space, makes it look a lot more interesting. Think about doing that. 
Uh, and also don't forget your vertical storage in the space. So again, tall bookcases, shelves that you can mount to the wall. You can hang um, uh, storage off of pegboards that go up the wall. So remember to think about that vertical storage. It really can add uh, to your sewing space and not be so cluttered too. In conclusion, you can take organizing to the nth degree. You really can. I mean, it's just like there's no end to it. <laughs> and you all know that I'm not the biggest fan of Uber organizing. Um, so you can make a simple system easy for you to work with. And also, it doesn't have to be perfect doesn't have to be perfect the first time or the fifth time. Your sewing room is going to evolve as you utilize it in different ways. And as you work on uh, different projects and maybe um, you then get a, an embroidery arm for your sewing machine and now you're collecting embroidery thread spools. So it's going to evolve. So you're going to have to um, take that into consideration. And again, it's not perfect. It's just what you're comfortable with and what is you. You want to stay true to your personal style and infuse your story and character into your sewing room. It doesn't need to be a Pinterest or Instagram replica. I don't want my room to look like everyone else's. And sure, I can get ideas and implement things that speak to me, that are on Pinterest, that are my style, uh, but I don't, I don't want it to be an exact replica. And it's just a waste of time and energy. And it's like being in a hamster wheel. Don't feel like you have to have your room look like everybody else's. Um, or that you're going to have to be embarrassed about it. Absolutely not. You know, go make it your own and decorate in the colors that you like. You know, if you don't like gray, don't paint your room gray. <laughs> if you want to paint it orange, then paint it orange. It's just, it's, it's what you like. So just remember that. So go to your craft and your sewing rooms and make it uniquely yours. And that is all for the main topic. Thank you all for listening. And I will chat with you again in March. If you would like a bonus episode every month, become a patron and support the Make and Decorate podcast show at my Patreon page, Make and Decorate. And remember to take some time for yourself to be creative. Bye-bye.